This is I Hear Things for Friday, October 1st, 2021. Looking into the Matrix, the digital audio edition. So yesterday was International Podcast Day, and I, I really feel like we've lost the meaning of this sacred day as crass commercialization has taken it over. So I, I spent the day with my family at Podcast Church in podcast services all day so that our names would be written in the Book of Pods for eternity. With our countenances gladdened and our bellies full of the traditional festive meal, I can now turn my attention to this podcast and to you. So podcast be with you and also with you. I am fully on board with the upcoming sequel to The Matrix in a way that only someone willing to ignore that Matrix 2 and 3 were actually a thing uh, can be. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to what I'm going to be calling Matrix 2 in my reality distortion field. One of my favorite mind-bending scenes from the original Matrix is when Neo finally sees what no one else can. He sees the Matrix plain and true, even when he is inside of it. He looks down a hallway, and where you and I might see wallpaper and agents, all he sees are ones and zeros and whatever Klingonese the Matrix language is in. Agents are scary, but code is not scary. Once you can train yourself to see the numbers and just see the numbers, you stop seeing scary agents and sinkholes and snakes and dragons, and you just see the truth, which generally does not require a coat of varnish. I was reminded of this when a friend passed along a screenshot from a recent episode of uh, it was Tucker Carlson's show on Fox News. And if you go to tomwebster.media uh, and look for uh, this article, I'll link to it in, in the homepage, you'll see the, the screenshot. But it's a graph that shows the percentage of Americans that identify as Christians, uh, dropping from 77% in 2009 to 65% in 2019, 10 years later. Um, but they have made the scale of the graph, instead of from 0 to 100, as one might, start at 58 and end at 78, so that it looks like the 77 that it starts at is at the very top of the scale, and the 65 that it ends at is at the very bottom of the scale. It looks like a massive drop-off. It looks like it dropped off by two-thirds. Now, if all you see is the physical manifestation of the code, that graph, you might be led to believe that persons identifying as Christians have plummeted drastically in just 10 years. You might also be led to believe that 77 plus 1 equals 100, or that 77 divided by 3 equals 65. The truth is, there was actually no need to do this. There was no need to start the y-axis at 58 or to end at one percentage point above the 77. If you just look at the thing plane, the numbers, the matrix, the truth will out anyway. A 15% drop in that number over 10 years is actually a significant decline. It's well outside the margin of error. No one needed to make this bad graph to get that point across. And yet a crime was committed. Someone threw a layer of code over the matrix to make it look worse. Now, where you get into trouble with statistics like this is often because you think a number should like something. Our cognitive biases take over, and we look for ways to make the number look like we think it should have looked. Every week, I'm asked by someone in the press, it happened today, in fact, to comment on where podcast listening is going to be tomorrow or next year or five years from now. I never do this. I leave this to other people. Once you get into the dubious practice of thinking, or even worse, projecting that a number should 
go up or go down by a lot or a little. You then become invested in making it so, even subconsciously. Now, a cynic might say that that graph on the Tucker Carlson show was positioned in a way to deliberately manipulate us. And actually, that cynic is probably right. But I'm equally sure that there also could have been a much less malignant reason. Someone looked at the numbers and thought that they should have shown an even greater decline. That no doubt made the numbers graphed on a 0 to 100 scale look like a giant nothing burger to someone who was invested in believing the number should be a lot worse or a lot better, depending on your relationship with the cosmos. But thanks for hanging with me. I am not here to talk about a reported decline in Christianity. I want to talk about the matrix, the numbers themselves, and the song they sing unadorned. I'm extremely fortunate to have worked on a number of the most influential and widely cited research studies in the world, certainly in the audio world, the Infinite Dial, Share of Ear, the podcast Consumer Tracker, and many more form the code that I see in front of my eyes every day. They're the matrix that I look at and have for years. It's a discipline and a practice to look at a pile of stats about the audio space and not be consumed with thoughts that, like, I figured this would be a lot smaller or that should be growing faster. I'm not saying I never think those things. I do. It's default thinking. But before I give voice to them, I always take a pause and I try to see the thing plain. So let's see the thing plain. On our most recent share of ear graph, and again, I'll link to this newsletter so that you can see it for yourselves, it shows the percentage of audio time, not humans, but time spent listening to audio, the percentage that we spend with each of the main sources of audio content in our lives. Uh, and if you follow this series and have for uh, any length of time, you'll know that podcasting right now is around uh, 6%. I remember when we first released our main share of ear graph back in 2014, podcasting was at 1.7%, which at the resolution of the graph that we released, we rounded it up to 2%. I vividly remember just being accosted by some people in the podcast industry that this number is not helping. A 2% number was looked small. It's not helping us. Actually, I always thought it was. If you subtract all of the forms of audio in the share of ear chart and all of the forms of audio you can think of that are not advertising supported, like your own music, for instance, and then you look at podcasting as a percentage of that, podcasting's share of ear was and still is higher than its share of the actual money that is spent on audio every year. This graph was actually showing that more should be spent on the space, not less. But to some, that 2% share of year should have been higher back then. Well, today, the share of time we spend listening to podcasts as compared to total audio has more than tripled. The total audio pie is relatively unchanged. We still listen to about four hours of audio per day. So a tripling in share very nearly equates to a tripling in the amount of time that America listens to podcasts. There aren't any division tricks here. Depending on who signs your checks, you can't help but look at this graph and feel something. This should be bigger, or this should be smaller. This is supposed to be dead already. I thought everyone listened to this, etc. You can't help it. But there is another stat on this graph that we occasionally, but not regularly, report. We always report the total share of year to AMFM content in general. Sometimes, we break out the split between AM-FM content delivered on a radio receiver and 
AM FM content that is consumed online. The share of ear consumed by the streams of AM FM simulcast content. Now, according to our most recent data, about 5% of all the audio we listen to in America are the online streams of AM FM stations. Does this seem like a lot to you? Does it seem like a little? Well, it all, it all depends on your perspective. We released a look at AMFM in isolation a couple of weeks ago. It's linked in the show notes and basically took everything but AMFM radio off of the pie and redrew it. And it showed that streaming was about 12% of the AMFM pie and terrestrial broadcasting about 88% of the pie. Now, some people saw that 12% number as low. Others saw it as encouraging. Again, it depends on who signs your checks. But let's look at the matrix for what it is. Let's strip away everything else. Podcasting is now 6% of all audio listening. And AM FM streams are now 5% of all audio listening. And this makes a whole bunch of things true, and none of them require any adornment whatsoever. Here are three. Number one, terrestrial AM FM radio's share is declining. It's hard truth. Number two, streamed AM-FM's share of ear is increasing. And number three, and here's the point that I want to land, podcasting and AM-FM streams are nearly equal. Now, notice I didn't say podcasting and streamed AM-FM are now equal. That would imply that this is new or that they hadn't been before. But in truth, those numbers haven't ever really been that far apart. AM-FM got a bit of a head start on digital delivery, and by the way, Mark Cuban should thank them every day. I don't think anyone's made more from AMFM streams than that guy. But even when podcasting was at about 2% of the share of ear, so too were the streams of AMFM radio. We just didn't talk about them as much. Now look, AMFM listening as a whole has declined markedly since 2014, and I do not want to sugarcoat that. But in the time since 2014, both podcasting and AMFM streams have grown their share, and those growth rates aren't that far apart. What that means is, as a function of the amount of time that we spend listening to audio on digital devices, AMFM content is being chosen, even as the amount of time spent listening to the AMFM device, the little box, is declining. Now, we reported several months ago that the time spent listening to audio on mobile devices was about to top the time spent listening to audio on AM-FM radio receivers. Now, I don't have any breaking news for you this week on that. But when you see that time spent listening on radio receivers is going down, but time spent listening to AM-FM streams is going up, it isn't as easy to just assert that radio is going away or that radio, the medium, is going to be replaced. What it does underscore, as my Edison colleague Megan Lazovic has written in the past in an article I'll link to, is that radio has a hardware problem. And all of this brings up the what-if scenario that I know has frustrated some of the smartest people in radio. What if all of the lobbying to get smartphone manufacturers, notably Apple, to include FM receivers in their phones had been successful? The iPhone prior to Model 7 already had these chips built in, but they weren't activated or integrated into the iOS, at least that we could see. Now, at the time, I remember being skeptical about these lobbying efforts, right? I, I remember thinking, well, if the market really wanted this, 
they would clamor for it, right? And the manufacturers were and will continue to be driven by market need. But just because people weren't clamoring for a radio in their phone doesn't mean they wouldn't have used it and used it a lot if it were there. Either way, I don't think the will of the market was fully heard. Now, I have no wish to relitigate any of that. My only point in looking at this one share of year graph is to look at the data plain and true. Time spent listening to AMFM streams has grown nearly in lockstep with podcasts. We don't talk about it. It's been there the whole time. And yeah, there's a tremendous amount of default listening that occurs in cars because it's easy and the radio is standard equipment. But I think it would be flawed thinking to believe that radio will just disappear once we all have fully integrated voice-controlled online entertainment systems in our dashboards. Because given the ability to listen to nearly anything on their mobile phones, people do choose to listen to radio. Now, we don't have radio manufacturers holding oversubscribed online events every September to announce Radio 11 or Radio 12 Pro Max Jr. So, yeah, people aren't choosing the radio as in the box. But they will choose radio. I'm Tom Webster. Thanks for listening to I Hear Things for October 1st, 2021. I'll see you next week.